Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 76. I'm Rocco, and that's Ryan making funny faces over there. That's right. I'm making funny faces, and I'm super excited today because not only did Germany win in soccer match yesterday, yay, but the Vegas 64 sitting right next to me. So there we go. Nice. Nice. We also have with us Zeb. PZ, what's going on? Um, It's Ryan's fault. I extreme distro hops again. So I'm on ADE Neon. You guys are killing me. And we have Old Faithful Michael. What's going on? Old Faithful. I like it. Uh, that's fantastic. I, I'm feeling my brain right now. Yeah. With some DOS beat brains. Yeah. All right. So we have a lot to cover this week. We're going to talk about Peppermint 9. We're going to talk about yeah. all kinds of stuff related to gaming. And so stay tuned. But first up, we are going to talk about an email we received. And I do want to preface this conversation with we uh, checked our spam box and Oops. there was quite a few emails in there all the way back from April. So um, <laughs> we apologize for any delays in responding to the emails, but uh, some of them did get caught in the spam box. This, however, yep. did not get caught in the spam box. Ryan, we got an email from a gentleman who watched the show, I think it was 73, that we talked yeah. about OpenSUSE 15. Yep. He, we, we talked about OpenSUSE 15 and he wanted to kind of clarify because, you know, he mentioned in here that he's an OpenSUSE user and a contributor to the project, which is awesome. Uh, not only being user, but contributing to it. And he wanted to, he said, we kind of glossed over it a little bit and we don't want to do that. So that kind of feedback that we're looking for, maybe we look through it through the Ubuntu lens, which is easy to do because Ubuntu has been taking the news lately with all the 18.04 noise and all that stuff going on. Uh, and he goes in to kind of explain some things here, like for starters, about Yast being a tool that a bunch of users wouldn't be familiar with. But once you use it, you'll absolutely love it. And you used OpenSUSE for a long time, Rocco. So you're kind of, I, I was new to it at the time. And I think that's what we were talking about in the episode is that I was trying OpenSUSE because I just went AMD and was wanting to play with it. But you've used it for a long time. And you were the first one to tell me, like, Yast is everything. Well, I mean, a long time for me is... Not exactly. That's like dog ears <laughs> for district <laughs> hopping. But uh, yes, it's a great tool. Um, it's something that obviously anybody from Ubuntu wouldn't be familiar with. But uh, it, what he's trying to say is yes, is a tool that brings all of the things together from installing software to settings and everything all in one place that you don't have to go searching for it. Where in Ubuntu, it is kind of, you know, depending on what you want to do. You're going to have to go into multiple places. But, uh, Michael, have you used Yes before? Oh, yeah. Yes is fantastic. There's there's certain parts of it that are um, a little clunky that I wish they would uh, improve, but there are other parts that are amazing. And the, the integration they have with some services they built, like have you, have you heard of the OpenQA system? There's a, yep. there's, there's a, a system that OpenSUSE made where they have automated testing. And the, so the QA is just like the quality assurance but it's they're testing on a ba the back-end servers everything automated and, and that includes yes so they can install 
the system in any configuration automatically with Yast and with this tool and do recordings of all the installs and see where the things break and they can see as it breaks what's breaking and things like that. And it's, it's really cool to see. And they also provide videos. You can go watch it on their servers and stuff. So you can like you can see what, what all they're doing. And it's really awesome. Well, for me, I don't, Zeb, you may not uh, mind it as much uh, because you don't need all of the gloss and the high polish and everything. But Yast is a little, uh, I guess, dated looking. But it is a great tool. Yeah. It, it, need, it needs some, uh, some polish a little bit. But as far as like the way it looks. But it's functionally, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's what's important when you're looking at a tool like this is you want the functionality, not the the glamour. Sometimes some both. of these stores, some both. of these stores out there that have the glamour crash all the time, and you can't use them. So I would much rather the tool work for the purpose it's set for. And if you want to put a 3D icon on it, great. But yeah. it's interesting though because um, unlike Crux and Linux from scratch, um, OpenSUSE is the only other one that I've never been able to get to work. So I need to try and give it some love and, and have a crack at it because it sounds like it it could be good. I did notice a comment on our video the other day that we talked about it, that they said that the network manager deal uh, should have been fixed in the latest version. So you, we, you shouldn't have that issue anyway. Yep. Yeah. And so the email goes on to talk about Zipper also being glossed over, Zipper's ability to manage multiple repositories, being very stable, unrolling release, et cetera, to handle your upgrades. And for the time I was on OpenSUSE, I couldn't agree more. It just worked fine. There were no issues there. Um, he also goes in to talk about some other issues in here, Rocco, like the ButterFS uh, file system by default, which I didn't use because I just didn't know much about it. So when it wanted to do it as default, I used the ext4 because that's what I'm familiar with. But I've done some research since that time, and it looks like there's some really neat options within ButterFS that uh, they're, they're adding in there. And then they ask us to bring somebody on. So Rocco, what did you do? Well, we reached out to Richard Brown from OpenSUSE, yeah. and uh, we are in talks right now to have him come on the show so we definitely don't want to gloss over anything as far as uh, an operating system or a distro that's out there because if it's linux we want to talk about it so hopefully we can get him on in the next couple weeks and uh, he can tell us why we should be using OpenSUSE. And we want to hear more information like this from you guys sending us emails because this makes us, you know, if we're if we're stuck in Ubuntu world because that's what all, all the news, but you want to hear about OpenSUSE or you want to hear about Fedora or something else, let us know because we take this stuff seriously and we definitely work to make sure you guys get to hear what you want to hear. Yeah, we're definitely not looking for all positive feedback. We definitely uh, want constructive feedback no matter which way it goes. But we do like the positive. Oh, positive yeah. nice. But... <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> so on that positive note, um, we've got some distro news. It does go back to the Ubuntu base. So apologies to all you OpenSUSE and Arch users out there. Um, but we had the release of Peppermint 9 this week. So it's finally come about. Um, it's based on the 1804 LTS. Um, and some good news for you people out there who've got the older machines, it still comes in a 32-bit flavor. Um, and I double-checked with um, Mark before I come on, and that will be supported until 2023. Um, so there's a lease of life there for all of you guys with the older equipment. It's not, a, it's not what people would call a major release. I know people were thinking about, oh, wow, we're going to see this wonderful new peppermint. 
it really just builds on the solid base that's there. Um, and I know you, I think you mentioned a couple of things the other night, Michael, um, that you were particularly pleased with. And the fact that we've mm. gone with menu Libra out mm -hmm. of the box. Yeah, that's, that's like, I think that's one of that's, that's easily the best editor for menus and yeah. des desktop files. So like when I, when I first saw that in the, in, in Peppermint 9, it was like, oh, this is fantastic. Cause it's like, it, it's, uh, it sh I think every distro should consider it. And to see it actually like by default is is just great to see because it makes it it makes it so much easier to handle it for people who are just getting into Linux because like all you have to do is right click edit menu and then there it is. It's like mm -hmm. so Zim, let me ask you. I noticed in here it says that the XFCE four display settings, etc. Side note is we replace LXDE components. So Peppermint Nine has LXDE components and XFCE components within it. Is the mm -hmm. idea that they're going to start replacing more of the LXDE components? with XFCE in the future? Well, well, that really does depend on how long LXDE can keep going now that Lubuntu is going over to LXQT. Um, because the way Peppermint has always been built is we take the Lubuntu base, or Mark does, strips out all the bits he don't want, and then he starts adding his goodness in. Um, so, And we all know eventually LXDE's got to die away because GTK2 and all the rest of it. So mm -hmm. we've got some big decisions to make this year um, the good news is we will have Peppermint 9 for the next five years. But, yeah, we've got to slowly come away from LXDE, which is a shame because it gives us such a low base. Um, you know, and out of the box, you're under 500 meg when you when you start up Peppermint. Mm. Um, and it surprised me. I opened them up in VMs, and I think the 64 was 380 meg, and the 32-bit was just like 270 meg. So they are really good for low resources. Some of that might go away if we can't start with LX sessions. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year um, for Peppermint. But there's lots of changes that have been made, but they're only little small tweaks that just go to continue to make for me the best distro that's out there. I know you've been trying some of it as well, Rocco. I had it installed on my machine, and it was looking fantastic. It was working great. And then I went to make a video on it. And the moment that I went to make a video on it, I booted into it and I had a kernel panic and a hard drive error. So it had nothing to do with Peppermint 9. It was a hard drive error on my end, uh, but I didn't never get to make that video on it. But Oh, that's a shame. Now, I thought the improvements were pretty awesome, like you're talking about, like just little things like the send by email in the right-click menu. Like those are the little touches that make a distribution mm. really polished. Um, I thought that the uh, theming itself was great. You got uh, the artwork by Carl Schneider, which was yeah. awesome. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the okay, so I wasn't always a fan of the Peppermint icon set before, but the mm -hmm. new theme I really like. And they have, a, a, you guys have a version of the Papyrus icon set. You made it pretty mm -hmm. much your own. And I thought it was great, and I left it on the default theme while I was running it. So, well, I mean, the wallpaper was gorgeous. So, big shout out to Carl and them for the work that they did on that. I'm I'm not a fan of the red highlights and grays. You guys should do a neon green. Just my thought. <laughs> That's there. a shock um, that you're that you want yeah. green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but there is, no, there is a green one in there. Yeah, it is very yeah. customizable, and I did notice the green ones in there. But it wasn't my my favorite scheme off the bat as far as the menus and the flat icons, because to me it just looked a little bit, my opinion, 
updated from the menus when you would open them up, but the customization options and the pre-installed options to make it something different were there. I didn't have to do any additional installs or anything else. I could go choose different themes that fit my need and make it look the way that I wanted it. And look, you've always, one of the things that I love about this Peppermint 9 release the most is seeing you and EB's reaction to it. You guys <laughs> are so passionate and in love with this product and what it represents that it's infectious. Mm -hmm. And even people who are not huge Peppermint 9 fans are looking at, you know, the way you guys are smiling and lighting up and talking about all these enhancements and getting, you know, wanting to go check it out and look at it. And I think that's awesome. That passion behind other people's work and the work you guys have put into it, it shows and it shows how much you guys love the product. And that's been my favorite part of the Peppermint 9 release. And the best mm -hmm. part about it is it's based on 1804. And Zeb, give me the line. And it just works. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's been saying to, from the start. Yeah. I mean, going back to Ryan's theming, um, that's also um, very, very true when people look at the browser um, because we've gone back to the Firefox browser. Um, and it's almost like a thing. It was, it was Firefox in version 7, then it was Chromium in version 8. Now we've gone back to Firefox in version 9. I think we have, we have to go back to Chromium for version 10 just to keep this hip-hopping. But, <laughs> you know, themes, if you don't like them, you can change them. Change them. If you don't like Firefox, you can change them. Um, hopefully, it just gives you that solid base. And as Rocco said, all the goodness that is 1804, and it's yours to use for the next five years. Um, now, I'm going to do something now that will probably embarrass Mark, the main developer, but he is devoted to this particular OS, and he is always shouting out about Team Peppermint and the guys in the back office who do all the work. But let's not forget that without Mark's hard work and knowledge and expertise, even though we give him little tips and hints, he has to then turn that into the OS. And he does a superb job. So massive shout out to Mark Greaves, the, the guy who makes Peppermint. Well deserved. Yep, absolutely. So when you think about beauty, besides Peppermint 9, you may also think about Deepin. And Deepin 15.6 has been released with some new features here and fixes and stuff. Now, I have not, I've played with Deepin and even installed it to play with it to, uh, for, you know, this news item we're covering here. And the first thing impression I always get is that theming is just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it, the moment you install it and you see that welcome screen, which is something they've been working on as well with the faster new user setup, making things easier to change your themes and icon sets right from a welcome screen when you boot in. It's just gorgeous. That That's the first impression I get. I don't know if you guys have used it at all or taken a look at some of these features, but Rocco, what do you what do you see when you install Deepin? Well, I was going to ask you, uh, how does that welcome screen compare to other ones like uh, Ubuntu Mate's or Budgie's? I mean, look, Mate and Budgie's do great on the welcome <laughs> screen too, right? You can't take that away from them. I would say it's very much in par with those welcome screens in the fact of it's actually a useful welcome screen, right? You know, so many times you get a welcome screen and, and this will be where you guys will definitely laugh and you just see, here's the user manual and here's the forums. I'm like, <laughs> get out of my way. Right. Uh, but a lot of the new welcome screens, I think are fantastic idea for new users because first of all, it's absolutely 
gorgeous when it first pops up and deepen and it tells you, do you want to use kind of a fashion mode or an efficient mode? So now you can set up how you want your menus and things right from the boot. So if it's something you don't like, you want to change the icon themes, it's right there. Your window effects right there. Um, so you can change these things the moment you boot into it and start customizing it and making your own. And you don't have to go through a terminal. You don't have to do anything. It's right there in the GUI. And so if you're a brand new user and you just boot into it, what a great feeling, you know, to, to have right the second you boot into it, to be able to make it your own without having to hunt through menus. So the, the obvious question has to be, is it, is it actually called the fashion mode? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I've not tried this version of Deepin, but it is a, a polished desktop from what I have seen in the past. Mm-hmm. I can't say that it's what I would call beautiful, because and it's not that it's not nice it's just not set up the way okay for example the only thing i can give you is the gnome full screen menu to me the gnome full screen menu is set up almost perfectly where the deep in full screen menu has uh i guess more space between the yeah, icons so mm-hmm. it, what i'm saying is it's a very polished desktop i don't know if mm-hmm. i would consider it me personally the most beautiful desktop but I'm going to have to try this version out. I, I think it has to be in, it's I don't in know, the top five. I, I think it's got to be in the top five of the most beautiful. And it may not work for your workflow. Like KDE's full screen menu as well is not my favorite. I prefer gnomes over it. Sorry, Michael, mm-hmm. because it has the spacing and menus and things, but you can customize that obviously. Now I don't think Deepin is extraordinarily customizable in that fashion. I didn't try to try, so I shouldn't just make mm-hmm. that claim, but it, it didn't pop out to me when I was playing with it that you could change all that stuff very easily, but they are doing a lot of work to make getting into the settings faster and more accessible. So for instance, when the Raven like menu, I think it's the Raven menu on the right hand side mm-hmm. um, now has little icon shortcuts for the various settings. So you're not sitting there scrolling through this huge long list. You can click into the sections that you want to get to and change the settings there. I was reading an article as well, which I thought kind of captured a little bit of Deepin, which is when you think about one of the most complete looking desktop environments from the start without having to do any customization, they were talking about Deepin being one of the best in that arena. And honestly, when I first booted into it, there was no way I could disagree with that statement. It's mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a very nicely well-polished d- uh, design. And if people, you know, as far as like usability, it's kind of the same way that elementary has. If you like that, that upfront design, yeah. it, it'll fit perfectly for you. If it doesn't fit exactly like there are some tweaks you can do, but it, it's not, it's not really meant to be super customizable anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's meant to be like you use it because you like this setup. Yeah. And I'm with Ryan on that one in its own way. It is as beautiful as elementary. Mm-hmm. You instantly open it up and you think, wow, that's looking good. Yeah. So they added lots of tweaks in here, Rocco, that, that that when you talk, you always talk about this of wanting to hone in and improve the features you already have versus just throwing new features out there. And this is what it looks like in this release when I was going through the notes for Deepin well, uh, that they're doing here. Uh, it's always nice to see, you know, to add on to what Michael said, it's always nice to see distros that purposely go after the usability of it and the the look of it to make it look because okay we're in linux and we have tons of choices but it doesn't always have to look like we're still you know in 1993 and i think (laughs) elementary is proving that i think and and even deep in itself is proving that that it can we all need to move up to 99 it can all look good (laughs) 
regardless of. Uh, so yeah. that is good news. But <laughs> Zeb, there is other news that is not so good. Yeah, this is something that that we've been trying to champion on Destination Linux, and that's um, people helping the distribution that they use every day and that they like. Um, and obviously the easiest way to do it is a monetary way. So it was quite sad to see um, a release, well, not so much a release, but a notification come out from Sparky Linux that they need your support. Um, and when we, when we looked about this and when we talked about it, we realized that it probably applies to more than just Sparky Linux, um, because we'll go through some of the reasons why their money is running short, but it probably applies to, to more than just one distribution. So we're not singling out Sparky Linux in this particular request. We're saying to everybody who uses a Linux distribution, do your best to help them financially. Otherwise, these guys are going to fall by the wayside because it ends up to be, you know, two or three individual people who keep the thing afloat. Um, and you made an interesting comment, I think, Rocco, about some of the things that they've listed applies to everybody or could apply to everybody. Yeah, because, um, you know, they're they're listing out, you know, what their needs are and what they have to do. You know, they have they need money for, you know, bills and rent and, and everything else. And I servers. think, yeah, servers. I, I think this goes that no matter what you're doing, whether it's a distro or you're a single developer or you're a podcast Regardless of what you, you have, all of these issues, and I think it's a great point to bring up that, regardless of this, if you use something, support them in whatever way you can. It may not be financially, but the idea is to support them in any way you can. And I think Sparky Linux right now needs our help. Yeah. So they go in here and mention that they've lost their revenue from, or they're not going to get be able to get any revenue. Really, I think it should be said with regards to YouTube because of the four thousand hours of watch time. So this is an interesting way to support people as well as get them to the four thousand hours of watch time. So go watch their videos. Go check out what they're doing on Sparky Linux if you're a big fan of their product. Uh, the other thing is they lost some of their Google Ad revenue that they had as well that they used to be able to put on their site. And I guess that might be because of the EU changes potentially or something with regards to that. I wasn't quite sure why yeah. they lost that ad revenue, but I assume it was to do with the EU policies. It could also be something that happened to um, Peppermint because we lost the ability to use AdSense and Google simply wouldn't tell us what we'd done wrong, but they stopped all, all revenue stream and said, no, we can't use that anymore. So, you know, okay, it might have only been a small amount every month, but it soon adds up. Yep. yep. And their goal is really a, it's, it's $150 a month. That's what they're looking for. So, I mean, if you use Sparky Linux, you know, it's, it's, it's a modest goal. It is. It's a very, yeah. very modest ask here. And they've got thousands of users users out there. If you go on their forums, they're very active and there's a lot of a user base out there. So, you know, if each person gave a dollar, um, they'd easily hit that 150. But we know it's difficult because Linux is meant to be free. So you don't instantly think, let's give some money, but really give it serious consideration. Otherwise, we might be talking about more than Sparky next month. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just two week, two episodes ago, we were talking about distros we were naming off that don't exist anymore. They right. just yeah. had to close shop. So this could be a reality for other distros out there if they don't get some type of support. 
uh, out there, whether monetarily or otherwise. And some of that doesn't require money, like watching YouTube videos and those type of things for them don't require any money on your part, just potentially time. Or if you macro it, no time at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you macro it. <laughs> all right. So there was some big news this week with Ubuntu releasing uh, desktop matrix for all of the installs that they, they, in 1804, they, in the release, they put the uh, statistics were to send them the statistics. If I could only speak statistics. statistics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have released some of the numbers coming from that. So one of the biggest numbers that they point out is the opt-in rate is at 67%. So we can go through some of these numbers, but uh, Michael, what do you think? Um, I, I'm a fan that they are releasing this information so soon because they, they announced that they were going to be doing it around October. So I'm glad to see that there's, we're, they're giving a little bit that they've, uh, the stuff that they've already gone through to kind of like measure everything that they were able to do so far. They were letting us see it now. And that's really cool. And as far as the update in rate, uh, I'm kind of expected, I wanted it to be a little higher than that, but I mean, I'm glad that it's, you know, the majority of people, like it is a significant majority as well. So it just, it just shows that a lot of people are willing to uh, provide that information to help the, 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 the distro and as well as the ecosystem in general, because they're sharing this data. Yep. So Ryan, only a quarter of the 1804 installs are upgrades. Yeah, that's very interesting. So a lot of people have Synology NASes out there, clearly. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, but, that proves it. Yep. Yeah, that absolutely proves that. But yeah, I think that's very interesting. Uh, I mean, it, to be fair, it's it's because they haven't had all the, the, the all the data has not come in yet. And the upgrades, that, that implies that they either went from 1710 to 1804 or they purposefully manually upgraded through the com- command line to, on 1604 because the 1604 hasn't been like introduced to ask them that if they want to upgrade and that doesn't happen until next month. So once that happens, this number is probably going to like, you know, even out more. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the number on here that was the most shocking was the auto login. Yep. And it was, and it was interesting. I think it was Popey who said on big daddy Linux live last night. Um, I mean, don't just read these numbers and take them for baiting. Yeah. Think of some of the reasons behind them. And that 28% from the auto login could have been people doing it on a VM. Um, and as Popey said, you log into your computer, so you don't really want to log into the VM, so you choose auto login. So yeah. until we see a few more metrics and until we can dig down into those that information and find out where the auto login information came from, yes, that would be shocking if nearly 30% of the people out there didn't care about security because they're just auto logging. Well, the other thing and also to, that could be applied to the erase disk, if that's a VM, that could also explain it too. <laughs> the other thing to look at here is talking to a couple of different people and I was talking to a guy who doesn't really want his name out there, but he mentioned the fact that um, with that 28% that choose to auto log in, only 3% choose to encrypt their drive. So does that say anything about people and security and you know very rarely are they encrypting yet most people are auto logging so that leaves computers that they're using wide open for people yeah i mean in in a way sure but there's also limitations of say for example let's say someone says i I auto log in for example and on their desktop at home and no one's going to be messing with it like who cares well yeah i mean obviously that's a 
that's a point but what about a robber hacker michael comes into your home and robber <laughs> hacks you right and all they do is get into your computer and see if you have any files they can take yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, i mean there's there's examples where that that encryption percentage is not as alarming as it seems but i would agree that it is kind of odd like cuz only 3% is it 3% of the 28% or is it 3% of the total cuz that that would kind of 3% you know, of the total okay mm-hmm. so that that's an interesting metric in it itself because you know the odd the odds that people I mean I it's kind of, even if they don't choose auto login the the encryption is a good thing to have um, but there are some kind like depending on the system and the configuration the the encryption could be problematic and because someone is not used to seeing that or doing that they they might shy away from it so maybe it just needs to be like more uh, education and presented to people it could be a fear as well because mm-hmm. I know that I have never encrypted any of my drives not because i don't think i want my data safe but because in the event of a failure how am i going to get it back i've never had that experience and i don't want to lose let's say one terabyte's worth of family photos if i've got them backed up on this encrypted hard disk i'm with you there's some issues like if you get an encrypted drive and then that drive fails and you you can't you can't recover the data from like one of those like test tools because it's it's encrypted. Yeah. Yep. Mm. yeah. And I've also had uh, where I did encrypt drives and through different installs, Ace, maybe I was on a certain in- install on this drive and I encrypted it and then I reformatted, but I still left that drive there. Uh, the new OS wasn't able to open it, even with the right, even with the right password. So it's definitely something to consider before mm-hmm. encrypting, although it's probably safer to uh, have it encrypted. But Ryan, uh, this says that four and eight gigabytes is the most common. So is that because of VMs, you think, or what? Well, no. I mean, in a VM, you have to set the RAM as well. And if you were setting the RAM for a VM at four and eight, that means you probably have 16 or 32 gigabyte, which mm-hmm. would be interesting. So I would think here is really interesting information related to most of the computers you're seeing these days are coming standard with four to eight. Now eight's becoming really the minimum a lot of people are looking for, but a lot of computers have four. But this is very interesting to me because I didn't expect it to be this high in Linux overall. I actually expected to see a lot more one gigabyte, five, 12 megabyte, that type of thing based on how a lot of people talk about Linux and that, Mm -hmm. oh, Linux, you know, is so great for older machines and everybody gets upset when the 32 bit goes away because they have all these older machines. But based on these statistics, at least for the people using 18.04, they're using a lot more modern machines than I would have thought. Well, I mean, as far as the the 32-bit and 64-bit, because they removed the the 32-bit from the 18.04 release or in the 17.10 release. You're not going to have those in there. Yeah, they're they're automatically going to skew that. But I mean, that's... And in a way, it kind of makes sense that they would do that anyway, because like at the the standard, I mean, if you can get a Raspberry Pi with a one gig right now, like, I mean, it's it's getting to a point where anything lower than two gigs is kind of, is is shocking in yep. most cases, because you can just get a laptop, any laptop you go get to at any store is going to have two gigs or more. At this point. Well, your phones come generally with one, two to four, <laughs> now six. Yeah, in some cases, that's true. Well, my, of RAM. my really question like- is, uh, who had the 128 gigabytes in the test? <laughs> I wish I could say me. Man, I thought I was doing good with 32, but they got me beat. Not be for long. Not What's for long. interesting for me is that now that people have seen these metrics um, and they can dig into them or will be able to dig into them in October and realize that they're not getting personal information for you from you 
how much more that opt-in rate will it go up now that they can see in black and white what it's all about and what they're using for. That's what I'm interested to well, see. That's a good point. But I did see somebody on Biddle last night say, yeah, but how do we know they're not collecting the personal stuff? And somebody replied, because it's open source. So I want to <laughs> right. make that very clear there as well. That's how we know they're not collecting personal information. And they're yeah, not tracking IP addresses either. So no, the, not, not at all. They do have uh, a time zone graph that they put out and the U.S. is the biggest time zone, and there's many theories on that. And Alan po actually pointed out that there's no actual numbers per person or, you know, to say that the U.S. Yeah. is – but it's a bigger circle, and that's what I'm yeah, going it's with. An, it's an aggregate <laughs> ratio of, like, how many people possible. Our circle wins. That's what it. do you feel about that, Seb? Huh? <laughs> but my biggest concern is – and, I, you know, you hear different things, maybe, no, definitely. You hear all kinds of answers on that, on this spectrum, but – is this a a start of asking for more data? Will down the road, a year down the road, will they ask for more data? Uh, we need this information to look at this. And that's my concern with it, that I don't want it to get to a point where, well, we need a little bit more. We need a little bit more. And I still say, and the last thing I'll say about it is, we, I still say that they need a screen that you cannot go by that you must choose yes or no, rather than the default option to be yes, opted in. Except you can totally break that. You don't. There's no way to make sure that it's must be. Sure, there you is. Can totally there's, break it. There's a no, there isn't. You can exkill the, the the application, and it won't do anything. Like it won't even ask you. Michael, how you many can, if people? You, if you choose to not send the message, you can. How many mm -hmm. users are actually going to exkill the install? Oh no, I won't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're I talking about you're talking about real data and real people, and people my concern on YouTube are, are exaggerating how like the, the the effect of what this is, and they're putting on YouTube teaching people how to do it. Michael, like, we're yeah, we're not on YouTube. We're talking between us. <laughs> how many people know, do you I'm, really think are going to? But I'm saying like the bag the people that wouldn't normally do it wouldn't even think about that. Go on YouTube and say, and then there's like you know. Um, hysteria around it, saying it's so horrible, and what it's like exaggerating like what it actually is. And, claiming that there's things that it's doing that it isn't but i'm not i'm not claiming that i'm not claiming it's I'm anything i'm not saying you are i'm saying the reason why the percent I'm, the reason i'm saying the percentage might be higher than you would assume is because there are people who are doing that i just mm -hmm. think to That's respect everybody's privacy that if you, it should, if you be get a, the it should be the option to not send it or not or whatever i think that respects the privacy is all i'm saying whether well, whether they however they present it whatever we could go around this one forever because we do on the pre show we do all every, every time, time yeah. we bring it up we go round and round and i'm just going to finish it off with i agree with you rocco i've got concerns that they may ask for more information but opt in or opt out you've only got to say no and they and they can't right. have it so it's all good yep, yep exactly well let's move on to happier news like fedora how did a Fedora article appear what? in here? Oh my we don't gosh. talk about anything so, but Ubuntu here, okay? That's so random. I just <laughs> happen to be using Fedora right now. <clears throat> in any that. case, uh, when we live in a time where, you know, IHOP gets to change its name to IHOB, Fedora is allowed to change its name too, guys. So they well, are... Ish. Well, they're not changing their name. They're, they're changing a project that used to be Fedora Atomic Workstation is now going to be... Fedora Silver Blue. Mm -hmm. So for those who are not familiar with this project, it's really kind of cool. And it kind of fits into a prediction 
you were having Rocco about an OS that was completely containerized application. He can't have any. He can't get any. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling so, you, that prediction is going to come true one of these days. <laughs> so this one is very cool, uh, Michael. Have you heard of Fedora Silverblue, formerly now Fedora Atomic Workstation? Yeah, the Atomic. I've been looking at a Fedora Atomic for a very long time. Um, they the Red Hat also has an atomic structure. They called it Team Silverblue. Um, so it's interesting that they're like, you know, they're, they're staying in line with it, but the, 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 I'm not really sure why they're changing the atomic workstation stuff, like the, the atomic part of it, because I don't know what silver blue is supposed to imply or anything, but I understood what the atomic was supposed to imply. So, um, but anyway, um, I like the idea of like the atomic approach where it's containerized and you don't have to worry about, you know, the, any kind of con, con, uh, containment between or. All right, Michael. Yeah. You know, what is the use case for this? So that for the people that don't know, what is the use case for, either, you know, whatever name they want to call it? Well, it's mostly for like an enterprise structure where you can basically deploy things very easily. So like if you have, a, uh, if we have one computer, you probably don't need Atomic. But if you have 50, 100 more, whatever, uh, and you want to like provide the same software and <laughs> the same software and the same, <laughs> Uh, settings and configurations and stuff like that all like without having to redo every single one of them you can deploy it much easier with the atomic approach or the silver blue approach but the idea here is that everything within the software i don't know that everything but a lot of the software they're pushing is flat pack flat hub rpm os mm -hmm. tree that they're doing there so you have these containerized apps within the os itself which obviously with the containerized system provides a lot of opportunity, not only from a development standpoint, but also to make sure you're not cross-contaminating or having support issues yeah. and that type of stuff. So I think it is more of an enterprise target or developer target based yeah. system, but I still think it's really cool what they're doing here. And they said they changed the name as a marketing attempt to really take what was an underground project that not a lot of us have heard about mm -hmm. and bring it into the mainstream. So think of it as kind of like a rebranding, like IHOP to IHOP. Yeah, um, IHOB was actually a good idea, um, but the, they're probably Fedora is probably not going to do the same thing where they do it just to get press and then go right back to it, so, <laughs> so they never actually lose their name. No, but they do have something else in the works called Fedora Core OS. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm actually happy about this for multiple reasons. One, it's a really cool idea to like. What's interesting is like, what is this going to happen to the the atomic structure and the silver blue structure? is somewhat related to the core OS structure with container Linux and things like that. So like they've said that they might be in the future combining the two or something like that to make Fedora core OS. But I'm also really happy about it just because of the name of Fedora core being back. Yeah. I know that's ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. But I like Twitter. it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. So, um, Going back to the email that we didn't maybe cover OpenSUSE as much as we could have, or maybe highlight. You'll regret telling us that, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> OpenSUSE Tumbleweed is now powered by the kernel 4.17. So mm -hmm. I did install Tumbleweed on the computer yeah. yesterday, and it went through and it worked great. So I uh, did not get a hold of a lot of time to play with it but i did notice that it was plasma 5.13 so mm -hmm. looking pretty good now i did i did notice that 
the uh, OpenSUSE does change some of the settings on Plasma. Like, for example, the settings, it, it had the uh, icon view where when you go into a brand new fresh installed Plasma, you usually get the newer looking uh, list view that's on the left. Mm-hmm. And they left it or put it back to the icon view. Little things like that. Um, I noticed that their update manager, when you go, when like when I first booted into it, you know, usually you'll have a notification saying you got updates. And if you click that notification, you'll get Discover popping up. But you don't get Discover popping up here. You basically, it just updates right through the notification menu, like right through the system mm-hmm. tray menu. And it didn't even bother you after that. It just silently did the updates and you saw the progress in the system tray and that was it. And you didn't have to open no. up Discover and have it crash and, and all this other stuff. I thought it was pretty nice. Now, I, would, I, could have, I could have understood that if it had been OpenSUSE Leap because that's the rock steady base that everything's you know, working from and people have been on their versions for like seven or eight years. But isn't Tumbleweed meant to be the cutting edge, the, you know, the way they yes. introduce new ideas? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little strange that cutting edge, yet they're using the same old icon-based system. And I mean, that's, that's kind of like a preference thing too, maybe because it's, it's cutting edge, but they don't like, they still have modifications. Like it's not like a super vanilla everything. And I kind of like that because if they, they think that something's, you know, better done a different way and they want to change it, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. And you can always customize it very similar in there. And I really enjoyed time with Tumbleweed. I think it's a fantastic Mm -hmm. distribution and this comes with, this has now come really important to me as team red here, the Mesa 18.1.1 drivers in here. So getting the latest drivers when you're using the latest hardware is really important. And that's what Tumbleweed's really meant to show off and you get all the latest apps that have launched here. So yeah, Tumbleweed. Right. Well, I did notice that Caden Live is not installed by default. Um, OBS is not found, so I'm sure uh, there may be a repository that you can get OBS Studio from, but just searching through the uh, Software Center or Yast, uh, you could not get it. And Yeah, you have to turn on the community repositories for that. And Discover still crashes. So is this, <laughs> is this going to be like fedora in that respect then so until you find out about the rpm repos on negativo 17 yeah. you're going to have to do your homework and find those little niche repositories that give you all this software for open yeah? no it's not hard at all and in fact you can enable like even for media codex and things like that they open has a website out there that you can type in media codex you click install from the website and it literally does it all for you from uh, web- right. Like it launches it. It makes mm-hmm. it pretty much idiot proof. Now you do have to know about that, which means you may have to read a manual. Wow. Or do, or do Google searching, which was what I chose. <laughs> or duck, duck, go searching well, in my case. Michael, I got a question for you. Uh, when I, um, I got a notification in OpenSUSE asking about the uh, Firefox integration add-on. Mm-hmm. And you click yeah. on it and it automatically opens Firefox and takes you to the add-on page. Is that a KDE thing? Is that normal? Or it is, is that an KDE open- thing? Okay. It's the KDE thing. That it's actually brand new to five point thirteen, so it, it it applies to Firefox and Chromium, but you'll get it from the Chrome store, even though it's it applies to anything Chromium based. And, and essentially, it is what you need to have. The way these web extensions APIs are built is that you can't just directly connect your system to the browser anymore. You need to have an extension that allows you to bypass that, and then you also need something on the desktop side that can connect to that extension. So by default, Plasma 5.13 has that built in. So all you need to do is install the add-on. 
And then once you do, you can connect and have all the, the browser integration goodness and stuff. Right. But yeah, it's a KDE specific thing, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually the, as far as uh, Tumbleweed go, I think Tumbleweed is great to have, you know, all the latest things. And that's one of the reasons I like to use OpenSUSE is the Tumbleweed part um, because you get the latest features. And so they updated very quickly to the latest kernel of 4.17. And we also got a very you know news recently about the next coming features of 4.18, which is going to be like, you know, fantastic for AMD users yes. with you know, getting even uh, better support for Vega power profiles and, you know, voltage controls, things like that. So I am super excited as far as like, you know, all the things that are coming with it, especially there's uh, 4.18s having support for new processors that for like ARM chips and things like that, that's going to make it even better for like the, the for example, uh, hopefully we like the, the, the plan right now is that the Librem 5's processor will have support in 4.18. Uh, so hopefully that happens. But uh, as an AMD user, Ryan, what do you think about this new, these new I mean, features? I couldn't be more excited. I mean, this is the, the, the coolest thing here is, and this actually makes me sad too, because um, I've moved over all to this Vega 64 stuff, but they're talking about the Vega 20 graphics processors now being included already, which haven't launched yet, but being included the work with the kernel already, AMD is working on it within the, within the kernel, the drivers for that. So they're preparing for the latest GPUs that will be coming out by Vega and AMD here in the latest kernel, which is awesome to see that we're not waiting after the release to then wait for somebody to update it so that we can use it, that they're doing it already. They're adding that those functionalities in there. So I'm super happy about that. The other thing with the, which you mentioned the pro power profiles and clock support and voltage, very important to a lot of people, especially if you're not getting into, even if you have the great, the latest ones, but let's say you've got one of the older RX cards, you know, one of the ones where you want to overclock it. You want to be able to see what the voltage is running at. You want to be able to go through the profiles and set different profiles for different types of activities that you're doing. So having that functionality there is a really important thing to add in. And we're going to get that in the 4.18 kernel, which is very cool. Yep. Cool. Now it talks about Steam controller driver integration. Is that something that was there, or and they're fixing or enhancing, or is that just new? It's it's a new thing to have. It's been they've been working on making the Steam controller work with it, and there's been multiple cases where there's things that that make it work automatically, and you can you can apply these flags to make it work. This will be the sense that when you set up a new with 4.18, when you set up a Steam controller, it will just automatically work without having to do anything. Nice. So Linux kernels always, yeah, I know they're important and we've got to have, and they bring great, great new features, but they are for me a bit of a yawn. I just want something to work. I don't need to know the ins and outs. And unfortunately, this next article is going to be, for me, is going to be the same sort of thing. Um, Canonical are about to announce the IPO that they're going to be going for. Um, but I think this is possibly the third or fourth time that they've announced they're going to become um an ipo so really does anybody anybody care it's important (laughs) it's important uh in general uh but it's it's not like they don't canonical hasn't really announced it but it's a very big thing that a a lot of the media thing has been talking about it for a while uh with speculation of whether it was going to happen or not then when what was a Mark Shuttleworth asked uh, was answered a question and like just casually someone asked him in an interview he's like yeah we're going to do that and then it blew up and people are like, oh, this is going to happen so soon. And, and basically, there's, this is more of like, 
yes, we are going to do an, an IPO, but it's not going to be anytime soon. It's definitely not going to be this year. We don't really know exactly when it's going to be. So it, it is important because it improves that. Um, it, it shows that uh, they're going to make it like a big push for, you know, in funding and in, for improving like the, all, all the services they offer. It's, a, it's an overall good thing. And, you know, I mean, Red Hat did it as well a long time ago. So mm. I think, I, th- I think it's, 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 it's where every time people talk about, you know, how successful Linux is, they use Red Hat as an example, being $2 billion corporation with an IPO, public company, blah, blah, having multiple public companies is, is a good thing. Hmm. Are they still going to provide all of the Ubuntu infrastructure and all that sort of stuff for the desktop for free? Yeah, that's, that's what their plan cool. is. Yeah. Good luck. I hope, they really, I hope it really goes well, as long as they don't stop all of that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> yes, it's important for them, and I suppose it's important for the um, canonical employees to know that they've got a real secure future there um, because you can't go public, you know, a public registered company without having a solid financial background and a good marketing base and a good five, 10 year plan. So yeah, thing, things are looking rosy, but I don't think the average Linux user oh, is yeah. that fast. I might be wrong. No, most people will really have no reason to care at all. I mean, even if they do happen, even the day they happen, they do it. Most people really have no reason to care. This is more of a, like an infrastructure enterprise importance thing. Well, I think it's sad that no matter what Canonical does, Canonical, Canonical, I better say it right or we'll get some emails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no matter what they do, uh, yeah. people are going to be lambasting them regardless of what they do. And Michael, you said the other day, you know, people want better services. They want better integration. They want uh, an open source company yeah. to come in and, and help yeah, they out. Wanna be, they want to they- they could provide a solution to literally every problem and do it in like the best way and make everything easier for everyone in every aspect of it. And people will still hate them for trying to take over the ecosystem. Yep. So like, no matter what they do, they're, they're going to get hated on, even if it's a good thing. And even if something has already done it and shown it's a good idea to do it, it's still going to get hate. <laughs> it doesn't, at this point, it's like, it's, it's more of a meme to hate canonical than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's also a meme to hate Google, but, and, 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 and to be fair, it's kind of valid to hate them in some ways with like the privacy, blah, blah, blah. But what they did really cool recently is that they released a VR editing tool for Linux and yeah. Mac. And, and, but they released it. It's, wait, 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 really wait, give it to, wait, I uh, didn't hear windows in there, Michael. That's true because so far they haven't released that software for windows yet. They haven't said uh, that they're going to or not. We get it first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Take that, Windows users. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's 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 really cool to see that they're doing it, and and I I've wanted to play with you know VR video and editing and stuff like that for a very long time, and not willing to install any kind of other system to get those tools. So it's really cool that they're providing these tools for Linux users, and, and I don't have a camera to get to do this, but now I'm thinking about maybe maybe a show. Well, listen, look how awesome uh, Tux Digital Live would be with a exactly. degrees of Michael constantly right? showing. And wow. now you can edit it with this app. Yeah. And I could have a drone cam shooting the other way and you could have just keep you just, circling you could, around your head. Yeah, exactly. And he could exactly. show the, the com tattooed in the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't tattoo it. He has it cut in by his hairstylist. Ah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. You're welcome. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're welcome. But this is uh, these 180 cameras are getting really popular. If you walk into your local electronics store, you'll see them all over the place. I see a lot of implementations from real estate agents, as well as those who are capturing action footage. So if they are doing, you know, any type of sports and that type of stuff where you go outside, you then you would use uh, maybe one of these cameras here. But the idea being that you can edit uh, this now within this tool that they've created. And I just thought it was so awesome that we get it before Windows users here. So Linux and Mac users, you get to download that VR 180 creator right now. Mm -hmm. is, is VR as popular as they, like, they would like us to think it is? Uh, yeah. I mean, it is very popular as far as like, I mean, is it like revolutionary? Uh, I think yes. I think right now it's not going to be that big of a deal, but in the future it's going to be even bigger. But you know, right now AR is going to be probably more important than VR, but in the future when all this, when the, all the hardware and everything gets to the point where it's consumable, like in as far as like cost wise, I think, yeah, it's going to be fantastic because the VR has a ton of potential. It also has a ton of potential to make you dizzy, but you know, <laughs> I like it. So the other thing coming out right now is the Epiphany browser. 3.29.3 now has reader mode. Now I downloaded Epiphany browser to do some uh, testing on this to see some of the changes there. I mean, the reader mode's really the big thing that they have and some of the other features that it's already had, like the web apps and, and stuff built in, uh, didn't change much. So this is much more of like a fix Um release here than anything else. But I had some issues here that we can get into with the browser. But before we do, Zeb, have you ever used Epiphany browser? Um, I can't say I have, but it would probably be too minimal for my liking. Yeah. Um, I've always heard that it's a very lightweight browser and lacking in lots of features. Um, so no, I mean, I'm a, a Chrome user. Okay, hate me. Um, but it, for me, it's got everything I want and it, and it just, and it just works. So I wouldn't like to have to start hunting around again for something like Epiphany. So, so sell it to me. What's great about it? Um, Rocco, you're a GNOME user. So <laughs> it is the GNOME web browser. I, I can't sell Epiphany, dude, because I'm not a fan of the minimal browsers or the generic browsers. So it does have a few nice features that Michael will be glad to point out, but, uh, <laughs> It does not have enough features to make up for not having add-ons or extensions for me mm -hmm. to use. So I'm not going to be using it on a daily basis, but it is nice that they have are adding stuff to it. Yeah. And they have a couple add-ons, but mostly it's um, like it's, it's they, they have more features that are integration with different things that are like kind of expected, like ad blockers and things like that, that you kind of have to have. Um, but they use WebKit to render it, which is good, but also kind of like um, limiting because of the way WebKit integrates with it, with the Linux desktop. There's some aspects that kind of hold them back a little bit. Um, like uh, there's some kind of there's some issues with GTK integration with WebKit. It's not at, not exactly. There's some they've they've been able to transition you know a lot of things, uh, but they've added Firefox Sync, which is pretty cool. So you can if you use Firefox Sync, you can actually sync your Firefox. Uh, uh, bookmarks and things like that to Epiphany and back and forth. And you can use the sync service through Epiphany if you just want to keep Epiphany. So that's pretty cool. But uh, as far as like the minimalism of the browser, that is a downside for a primary browser. However, there's a really cool feature that it has that a lot of people don't know um, is the web app system. They have a cool web app system that you can um, use the, the minimalism of the browser and use it as a web app specific thing. So if you want to 
have one application, you know, have a web app that you can just load separately instead of using, you know, having to load your browser and then load the tab and all this. You can just launch that particular web app through Epiphany. It's really good. And a lot of people have seen like other browsers do this kind of thing. But the reason I like the way that Epiphany does it is because you do a, uh, an individual web app has an individual session to control. So with, with Chrome, everything shares the same session. So you can technically make a Chrome web app in, 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 in Chromium or Chrome and it'll move, remove all the GUI stuff and everything. But the session is still the same session as the rest of it. So, so but it, it also it has, defeats the point. it also has a cool feature that Ryan found. <laughs> yeah, well, so here's the deal here. I I like to have a secondary browser. I like the idea of a minimalist browser for a secondary browser. I'm a diehard Firefox fan, but sometimes mm-hmm. I like to have a different browser just for, and I know I can use the containers and all that stuff, but just for other work that I'm doing that uh, maybe logging in through some of the other stuff that we're involved in. Uh, and But this one, so what I did is I set it up, I started testing it for the week, and long story short is I was going to YouTube I typed the URL YouTube in wrong and went to some fake site, some spoof site. And it says, your computer has been infected. I'm like, I'm on Linux. Nice try, buddy. (laughs) And then it's got this robotic voice and all this stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, your computer has been infected. You should pay us to kind of do the support, blah, blah, blah. I can't refresh. I can't back out. I can't type in a URL to get away from it. It is completely locked onto the spoof screen. So I tried to X out. I can't even do that. So I go into system monitor and kill it that way. When I reopen it, of course, every time, because it remembers the last tab you're on, it opens the same spoof thing. (laughs) So now I'm kind of stuck in this loop. So I finally, uh, I go in through the launcher and launch a new tab. I can right click on it through the launcher and tell it to open a new tab there, which gets me on a new tab and able to kill it and all that stuff. But here's where it got weird for me. And I can't say this is an epiphany only issue. This could be some new hack that's, you know, would get around other browser security. I have no idea because I couldn't find the URL after I was done getting rid of it in the history, which was weird issue too. But essentially it started downloading hundreds of text files and which ended up being exe files which aren't going to work very well in Linux. So it didn't do anything, but there were hundreds of files that it was downloading. It never asked me to download them. It went completely bypass that security feature where it should, you know, obviously pop up and ask you, do you want to download this? Like you would see in most browsers. Now, again, I don't know the spoof. It may be something new. Maybe it would bypass it in Firefox too. That was enough for me to uninstall Epiphany and hasn't been on since. So there you go. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, I, 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 I'm just a, reiterate something I, I do like the web app system and everything's but um the, the epiphany has some issues and even in like you know if it's not for an everyday browser i think uh that is an interesting problem to have and uh, hopefully it's not just epiphany or anything but uh there's this one thing that bothers me with the web apps like you have though it's really cool that you can have these individual things and remove the guis except you can't remove the gui on the web apps yeah. So there's this big giant navigation bar that allows you to go back, go forward and refresh. But I'm on a web app and I don't have to do any of that because it's a web app, but I can't get rid of the navigation. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rocco, I know we're running a little long, but, and we've got some gaming stuff to cover, but there's been an article I have to have you cover. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is your world and you guys watch Rocco's eyes. They're going to light up. 
There's going to be the shining halo come appear around him because we're going to talk about themes. There was an article I found just for you, Rocco. And it was the 30 themes for Ubuntu that you must try. And you spent so much time literally trying every single one of them. You've got to cover this article. Dude. Okay, so I downloaded every single one of the 30 themes or tried to download some of them. And before we get into some of the specifics of the themes, and I don't think we'll cover every single one of them, but we may mention a few. But I think there's a couple thoughts that I gathered after trying all of these themes. And, you know, some of the fact is that not all themes are going to work on your system. So there, yeah. good themes are hard to come by. All right. And there are themes that have went by the wayside over the years and gone back to, you know, supporting people. Uh, I, when you're looking at a theme, you're looking at somebody's time and effort that they put They're into hard. it. Yeah. And they're expressing themselves that way. And if you find a good theme, find out who the developer was and see if you can support him in any way because they are really hard to come by. There's a million out there, but they yep. don't all look right. They don't all work right. So there's many themes out there that are not updated. Um, I found out also that dark themes are usually done wrong. Uh, I don't find too many dark <laughs> themes that actually do it well whether it be the text in the system tray or the panel or mm. the problem with Firefox, which Peppermint takes care of with their Firefox and Thunderbird lock. Um, but some are what, not what they look like in the screenshot. So you can go to the web page and you can look at them and you can say, man, that looks really great. And then you get it on your system. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, no. It's, it's <laughs> like the menu at a fast food restaurant. I'm telling you, you dude. This big juicy burger and then you go and get it and it's flat and disgusting. <laughs> I think my favorite part about some of these themes is that the way they define things is like, here's the, here's a regular version. Here's our dark version. Here's our darker version that is lighter than the previous dark version. Here's our dark light compact. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to pick three themes Rocco what would they be well to, to just mention I definitely like the flat remix gnome theme uh, that mm. is definitely a really top pick it has like a, a really slight transparency to it uh, it has a, a dark side panel in the file manager and one thing that I really don't like in a file manager is the fact that it's all just a lot of white space and yeah. mm -hmm. there are certain file managers and certain themes that will separate that and, you know, make the left panel yeah. a different color. And that to me yeah. is awesome. So even if it's the same, it still breaks it up a little bit. Yes. Appear that it's, yeah, it's absolutely exactly. awesome. I don't know if I would go and pick uh, a whole lot more out of here. Um, there, there is a ton of themes, regardless of what you like, whether you like Mac type theme, whether you like Windows 10 type theme, uh, there's mm -hmm. the all standard Numix. But, I uh, laughed at the Facebook theme. I mean, yeah. really? No, that's really? That's, that's Rocco's favorite. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely part of my favorites. No, so welcome to two thousand, dude. I mean, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's pop theme in there, Rocco, which I know you love. Well, pop theme is the one I'm using right now because it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Pop OS, but I could easily change the theme to something else, and I'm still using it because it's an. That's awesome a huge theme. compliment from Rocco because. Listen, we're all expertise in our own area, but if you want to talk about theming, there's only one expert on this show, and that's Rocco with theming. I mean, nobody themes like Rocco. <laughs> he tried all 30 of these. When I put the article in there, he literally downloaded and put it. He wow. loves this stuff. Okay, yeah. but <laughs> see, that's the, that's the bad part about this. If you're going to try these, you should probably not download them all. 
should probably download them <laughs> one by one and try them because, you know, you put themes into your .themes folder and they're bound to conflict, which was what I found out where, you know, mm-hmm. you'll put multiple themes in your .themes folder and then the theme that you download that you want to try doesn't look the way it should because of the other themes conflicting with it. So. Yeah. Well, now we can go to gaming, Rocco, because we had to get the theming done, man. You did all that work. It was awesome. So your pick, by the way, just to repeat, your pick is obviously Pop! OS and the flat theme, the, the known flat, flat remakes. Yeah. Yep, flat remake. Nice. Definitely. And Facebook. Uh, no. So <laughs> and Facebook. So for once, I'm not the one who should be featured in the what we've been I've been playing this week. It's what we've been playing this week, right? And yeah, you guys can see it on our individual channels. We just pick one of our channels to stream it on usually, but you will capture capture everyone but Zeb so far. I don't think we've got Zeb addicted to it yet, but we're working on it. It's happening. It's happening now. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen for Ballistic Overkill. We've all been playing some Ballistic Overkill, and let me tell you something. The tension is heating up here because Popey played on a couple of our Ballistic Overkill streams. And it's now turned into a battle, and we have found out Zeb is actually a traitor to the Destination Linux show, and I'm announcing it here first. I am going to be true to the flag. So when you start teaming up on Popey and Wimpy, I am going to be supporting the UK guys. Can you believe Severely this, disappointed in you, Zeb. Severely disappointed <laughs> in you. Because we're going to have that match one of these days. And um, yep. we're, we're going to have that match. And I don't know how it's going to play out. You know what I was thinking? Maybe we should do something like a charity event. I think mm-hmm. so. Where we, you know, we would play uh, you know, Zeb and his cronies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, all, all, Zeb and his red coats. Yeah, and yeah. everybody who like wants to can uh you know maybe donate to a super chat and all of that money would go to a charity or even if you know we could decide it could go to a specific developer or something. I think it would be awesome yeah. if we did it that way. Cool. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds like a plan. We need to organize that. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, cool. we'll have the UK versus US uh a nice charity event that it would support. And, of course, the U.S. is going to win and completely stomp the U.K. in ballistic overkill. Of course. So that's, that's, that's what usually happens. That's the good news. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun event. And you guys will be able to see Rocco, the nice guy, trash talking. I don't In fact, talk. you can go watch, look some videos out there. The nice guy. Now. Yeah, the nice guy. With quote, air quotes, huh? <laughs> exactly. So, Michael, um, you're getting all excited about this next game. Oh, yeah. I, okay. To be fair, it 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 does it does live in its own world of time. But when this was a when this was put on gaming gaming on Linux, I just I was so excited because of how how it's ridiculous that I was excited about this. But a game from like a nostalgic game from my youth was uh, is Turok, the first person yeah. dinosaur hunting game uh, based on the Nintendo sixty four. I loved that game, and admittedly, it looks like it was made for the Nintendo 64. It does, but they've <laughs> yeah, they've they've remastered it so it's got better textures, it's got better gameplay, des- like level design stuff like that. Uh it still does have that retro feel, so if you're not into that, like I mean like if, like Zeb is a huge fan of that kind of thing, so Sure. Yeah, yeah uh, doing so. dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. But no. it's it's Turok. It's Turok. How could you not want to play Turok? Look, this is one of the greats, right? This yep, is one of those right. games that when you had a Nintendo 64 and you got this game, 
you were just in heaven because you you're mixing all the favorites first person shooter tons of different weapons and dinosaurs that you get to go hunt down there are, this this spawned a bunch of different games off of it this theme and the way that they did the designs and creation i had to pick it up on steam because it's on the summer sale for 4.99 right mm-hmm. now but even more importantly rocco and i thought you know you would be interested in this it has unlocked cheat codes and since we know you wow. cheat in ballistic overkill i figured you would use those <laughs> wow. right right well okay so cheat codes are different than <laughs> hacking okay so <laughs> but uh, right okay yeah this doesn't include an aimbot like right. rocco likes yeah. whatever dude yeah. um but no you know you mentioned all the features of it but i have to say even though we look back at it and say it's a nintendo 64 graphics they were awesome graphics at the time oh yeah they were fantastic then so when this yeah. came out this was awesome you know what i mean like so i don't know if i would enjoy it as much as i enjoyed it then just because you know you get used to you know ballistic overkill style graphics but yeah. uh, at the time it was really cool yeah, mm-hmm. I mean to be, and I, I, I'm gonna get it just because of the nostalgia aspect. So we'll see if it's a, and also because it's on Steam sale. Of course, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's might, might as well. I'm like five dollars for Turok to play it again, and I, you know, on my preferred platform kind of thing. That's fantastic. Twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm not that nostalgic about it. Yeah, yeah not that nostalgic. But <laughs> while it's on the Steam sale, you should definitely check it out. <laughs> well, it will come as no surprise to you that I won't be buying it. Um, but that's because uh, I'm I'm actually quite excited by Total Warhammer Two. Yeah, um, I've I've watched the video and it looks superb. So the only thing I've got to find out is is it a first person first person fighting game or is it more like Red Alert where you push your forces to battle different things? Because that what well, that's not what was obvious. Um, from the cut scenes that we're just showing on the video. So um, do you know a bit more about this, Ryan, as to what sort of battles they are? So I haven't played this one specifically, but as I understand it, Total Warhammer 2 opened up a unique aspect in that it allowed you to get into the 3D portions of the battle, the first-person portions of the battle itself, versus just being an RTS. Now, what I don't know is, is it stay that way the entire time, or if you switch back, switch and, back forth. and forth, oh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you switch back and forth, which still is a really, if you're not into those games traditionally, this mm-hmm. really gives you a really cool into it because you may not be all about the strategy and moving your armies around, but as you get into that big battle, then you get to take over a character and start wreaking havoc. And how awesome would that be in the mm-hmm. graphics? I mean, I, I even put in the show notes, you're going to love this because you want to talk about AAA. You don't get much more AAA than that. Yeah, this was really, really good. And it, and it, it, it reminded me of what was that um, film where they did it in in all animation, where the humans went into Avatar. Avatar, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. it had Avatar type qualities as as to that's how good it is. So as long as there's a bit of both, and when you do become the first person fighting thing, it's not going to be the big boss scenario, i.e. for us mere mortals, it's impossible to beat them because you've got to <laughs> hack them 33,000 times and then stamp on their right. big toe to win. As long as it's going to be a realistic foray, then I think this is I think this is going to be really, really good. So I'm going to have to find out how yeah. much it is and start saving up for it. 
I'm actually not a fan of RTS games, but when you said that there's a possibility that you could switch, you could be art like the the general and RTS level, and then you could jump in to be like part of the the battles, like that excites me massively. I I I hope that happens, and I if it does, I can't wait to play this. Yeah, this is um, a very cool game. And one of the things about this game as well is, is we've got to give a shout out to to Feral. Um, they are bringing some super games uh, over to us on Linux. Um, so much so as well that I actually got off the mounting in Rise of the Tomb Raider. So yeah. I'm, going to be trying to, I'm going to be trying to play that some more. So I'm finding a bit of coordination. But no, without people like <laughs> Feral and other people who bring these games to Linux, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to enjoy this. So Very true. kudos to them. All right. The last thing we got on the list here is... Obviously, you guys have already mentioned it a couple times. The Steam Summer Sale is live, and if you try to get on the website you know, when it first started, <laughs> there was it was pretty much impossible to get on the website. Yeah. Uh, but this goes till July fifth, so by the time you hear this uh, edited version come out, you are going to have less than a week to get in on the Steam Summer Sale. And it always seems to come at a bad time when you don't have money. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But so what's this game you want? Um, okay. Well, Call of Duty War, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is a Windows-only game. Should I say um, that? <laughs> sorry. No, uh, but I don't really way. want that game, but I really want the Call of Duty 4 remastered. Yeah. And the only yeah. way to get Call of Duty 4 remastered is to buy, to buy the everything. Infinite Warfare. So the Infinite Warfare regular price is $20, but in order to get the... Call of Duty 4 Remastered, you have to buy the whatever deluxe version or whatever. So on the Steam Summer Sale, it's $39.99 or something like that for the version to get that. I won't be getting it, but that would be the one that <laughs> I would actually buy. I actually I, I don't care about Call of Duty whatsoever except for Call of Duty 4. That was a fantastic game, and I would like to play that, but I have the other part now. No, the, the, the fact that they make you buy they know that that game is so terrible yes. that people want to play the older remastered game <laughs> so they that make is, you buy this that is garbage. so terrible dude and that's the only way to get it so that would be my pick why right. would you guys even want a remastered version on your junkie nvidia card well well, well because uh, my 1080 screams sir. okay <laughs> yeah my my nvidia card is is so uh speaking of the summer sale um uh, <laughs> the well, the, uh, the the most important game we have to talk about on the summer sale is Rocket League. No, oh, come on! Oh. It's uh, it's ten dollars right now for Rocket League nine ninety nine to be exact, and it's just everybody should want to play this. It's just a great game. For, Dying, and I Dying, I always yeah. tout Rocket League, but for nine ninety nine. It is a super deal for an awesome game. I'm yeah. sorry. You're going to spend so much time in this amazing game that $9 is a steal. Yep. All right. So let's talk about it's real games you can get in the Steam Summer Sale. Let's go through our collections a little bit of what you guys okay. have bought, and then we'll, we'll close out. Everspace, I'm really enjoying. I picked up Overlord 2, Road Redemption, because motorcycles and beating people off of them, how could you not? <laughs> And I actually have that as well, so I'm definitely going to have to get, take a crowbar to your face. Def oh. <laughs> wow. Really? Wow. And so Turok. I picked up Turok as well. Uh, so those are some of the games I've picked up. What about you, Rocco? What have you picked up so far? Zero. Nothing. Oh, my gosh. Nothing. I tell you, it always comes at the worst times. Um, yeah. But 
I will say that Ballistic Overkill is also in the Steam Summer Sale. So if you want to join us while we're streaming and yep. you want to, I mean, if you really want to die that bad, you can join us. And uh, wow, he told you, nice. <laughs> he told you he's a trash talker. Yeah, exactly. By the way, we've had complete Linux takeovers on servers. So we have. definitely come join us. We we will stream. Yep. We'll tell you what server we're on, and we've had just complete Linux takeovers, which is awesome. Yeah, we've had multiple people ask us: Is Ballistic Overkill worth the money when it's twelve dollars? And the answer to that is absolutely. And when it's worth six, and it's only six dollars, is it worth it? You get you better. I better get it now. Yes. Like it's Ooh. it's fantastic game, and for six dollars, it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. But there's also some other stuff that's on sale on the Steam Steam Summer Sale that's you might want to be interested to it. It's uh, CS:GO. If you've never played it, it's it's a, it's a different style of game where you can play like the oh, Ballistic Overkill is super fast paced, you know, arcadey style game. But if you like a more realistic uh, strategy shooter, uh, CS:GO would be that. But what's really cool about it now is that this the Steam Summer Sale has like normally the CSGO is $15, but there's a thing called the Valve Complete Pack that you can get on on Steam, which allows you to get multiple games that normally the whole pack is like $200, but they currently have it on sale for like 95% off or something where it's only $15 to get all of those games, which includes Portal, Portal 2, um, Left 4 Dead 2, uh, CSGO, all the, uh, all the Half-Life games, like a whole bunch of stuff. It's definitely worth getting if you don't have it, if you want to play any of those games, because you basically pay for one and you get all of them. Yep. Nice. Well, Ryan must be um, rubbing off on me because I saw Steve English Bob um, playing XCOM on one of his live streams, um, and that's up in the sale. So I've actually bought that. So I'm going to give XCOM's incredible. I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that a go and see how we can get on with that as well. So it turns out I'm going to be turning into a bit of a gaming nerd because it'll be Rise of the Tomb Raider, Ballistic (laughs) Open. So we'll get in there because the UK will win. And then- <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, look, now look we have that. two trash talkers right. we have to deal with, Michael. Well, exactly. Zeb, I, I, wish you, I wish you luck in the uh, XCOM because you're going to need it in the Ballistic Overkill. No. <laughs> <Got him. laughs> Love it. All right. I think that's all we got for this week. Yep. So a big thank you to each and every one of you who support us in any way regardless of if it's just watching or listening, join in the YouTube chat, join us in Ballistic Overkill on our channels and streaming. We appreciate it. And definitely. Um, you saw it from our one of our first articles. We've now sorted out our spam filter. So please give us some feedback um, via email because we really are interested in making this podcast what you guys want to see and what you want to hear about. Um, and if you've got any themes that you maybe want us to consider for a particular <laughs> show, let let us know. And no, we're not going to all dress up as bunny rabbits, so let's not get... Um, <laughs> let's oh, not get oh, I already bought my costume. <laughs> and, and we're definitely not going to Hannah Montana uh, extreme distro hopping, so we're none of those suggestions either. But you know, <laughs> keep, keep your suggestions coming in. We do, we do like to read them, and we are going to be working our way through, back through our, uh, our spam filter, and we're hopefully... That won't overtake us again. Yeah, but we we are overtaking Twitch and YouTube Live, though. So yes. if yeah, so if you uh, if you're watching this on the recorded version, be sure to you know, come out, check out the next live stream where we're going to be talking about. You can watch the whole thing and interact with us in the live chat as well. Uh, so speaking of like the live chat, we just got a reference that someone said that they bought Turok on the game. So uh, Viper said he's gonna he bought Turok to play the, the nostalgic greatest. 
uh, dinosaur hunting first person shooter ever. And Zeb is next. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to shoot me. <laughs> well, I meant buying the game and getting Turok. No, that's all I meant. Excuse me for a dinosaur, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just meant, I just meant the game, getting the game. Anyway. <laughs> but we really do appreciate all your support. Thank you to the patrons and all the love and support that you give us on a constant basis and for joining us in the Zoom live show and utilizing some of those perks we have out there for the patrons specifically. Thank you to those who leave us comments, give feedback, hit the, you know, the thumbs up or give us ratings in your podcast, all of that stuff, as we talked about, help this channel to grow and help us to get better. So thank you for your continued support. Really appreciate it. Yep. And any of the patrons that would like any Destination Linux stickers or specific channel stickers, you can email us and we will send them out. And also be sure that, you know, that the patrons, you know, you can join the Zoom chat as well as everybody can be on a live chat, but after the sh- uh, live stream, but once the show's over, we kill the stream. But in the beginning, before the stream even starts, there's that you can join as a patron to the Zoom, to the zoom chat. And there's, we have a pre-show and a post-show. So if you're, if you want to be a patron and you should, and if you are a patron, you should definitely come check out and check it out on zoom. All right. I think we've done that enough. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right, everybody have a great week and remember, The journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Let me do a sound test here and go ahead. Somebody say something. So let me tell you about this story I had. Uh-huh. So one day there was this this uh, Girl Scout that comes to the door, and she wanted she wanted some she was selling some cookies, and I was like, oh okay. Ooh, thin uh, how much is it? It's, it's about tree fifty. And then I was like, uh, that's about the time I realized that wasn't a Girl Scout. That was a fifty foot Loch Ness monster. <laughs> and uh, really. Can't he just do sound test one, two, three? Is that okay, Rocco? We can't have a 50 minute diatribe. Yeah, he said say something. He didn't say something yeah. short. My bad. You have to specify. Say me. something Seb, short. Say something okay. short. Ryan. I have a microphone in my hand that you guys should talk to when I'm holding it out. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he went completely over you your You needed head, that right, itself, it? Ryan. He said say something short, and I said Ryan, and he completely missed it. He did. <laughs> wow. Wow. Really, Zeb? Yep. My goodness. So there will be a moment of silence while I transition to the DL intro. Does that mean we have to be quiet? I know that's hard for you, Ryan, but yes. So when does it start? When are we starting the quiet? Yeah, when does silence start? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. Is it already started? Has it? It might be playing right now. You are forcing the viewers to wait while you mess around. They 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 enjoy your pain. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> Don't mess up the intro, Rocco. Please. Just get it right the first yeah. time. Yeah.
I mean, how many times do we have to redo it every time? Every yeah. week. Every week over we have to redo it again. at least six times, huh? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's getting so, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I'll try harder. You know, Rocco, I don't have that. <laughs> you guys hurt my feelings. That's not the first time. You're so sensitive, Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> sensitive. He's very sensitive. He gets his feelings very easy. He's the nice oh, wait, guy. Boy, the tears. Yeah, the nice guy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We, we planned That's, it we that ca- way. We calculated that. Yeah, calculated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we did. Oh, hey, Michael. Hey, buddy. I don't know. We've not approved of this friend for you, Michael. Why have you not well, brought him I up don't before? Need your approval, Dad. Yes, you do. You're not my it was real in the dad. contract. Don't tell me what to You're do. You're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> Rocco, you weren't even in the conversation. You had to jump in with that. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Nobody was even talking to you. <laughs> well, better? Yes. Better. Yeah. Prettier? Better. Yeah, you have color now. <laughs> Yay! I can actually see the pink coffee mug <laughs> it's country morning blueberry oh yeah that's right <laughs> sorry that was hot coffee in my mouth darn you <clears throat> so please just know that Rocco hasn't got it on file in case you ever do miss him again. yeah duly noted well, Zeb okay. duly noted if yeah. we ever want to burn a bridge we know how <laughs> <laughs> And you missed the breaking news. I got off the mountain. You got off the mountain. Hold. I got off the mountain. Hold. I went safe, 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 safe. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Michael got it right away. Darn it. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> We're like, what, what mountain? What mountain? Were you on a mountain? <laughs> what was he talking about? <laughs> I was hoping Michael would be stumped by it too. Yeah. Never. So when you think about beauty, besides peppermint nine, you may also think about deepen. Now, Deepin, when I think about, why are you laughing, Michael? I think about Deepin is like gorgeous. No, when, I think about, when you oh, said you think, when you you said you think about beauty, I went. Oh, I got you. Look at you. You definitely don't think about Michael. No, no. Um, no. But, oh, right, right. I was supposed to pay attention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh huh. You're just jealous of Vegas sixty four is coming today. I am actually. So Sky one says it's in the release notes, Ryan. You know I don't read release notes. I don't read manuals. That's why that he stuff said it, Ryan. <laughs> well, I, I, bet know. Reads, I bet he reads the manual on the Vega 76 or 60, 64 or whatever it is. You mean this? Oh. The Vegas. Oh, he's got to show it all. You mean, you mean that? That card right here that's just sitting by my computer waiting? This is how much uh, Ryan likes us, that he's waiting to install the Vega. Just to you sit down no and talk about that. That does show incredible love on my part. And for the patrons this week, we can be an incredible yeah. short after show because Ryan's going to go off stream. So <laughs> I might be back, but it'll be with the Vega. Yep. What? What's going I on? I got to go, guys. Bye. No, you're not going yet. <laughs> Bye. I need oh, to go. I got to go. I got a Vega 64. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Ooh, he's <laughs> opening it. Bad. Opening it live. <laughs> Well, not live, oh, yeah. but... It comes with a manual! <laughs> <laughs> Read the manual. Can you, can, you tell he's, can you tell he's super excited? Oh my gosh, guys, <laughs> look at this, look at this! Uh, do you guys want to see the Peely 
Can we hear the peely class? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, look at it. Now respecting. <laughs> that might not even fit in my rig. <laughs> oh my yeah, it's, that's pretty that, huge. That is a pretty huge. card though, man. That's What's loud, the other side yeah. look like? Oh yeah, that's a pretty card. I mean, it's just gorgeous. The fact that they put the effort in the actual like form of it is Sweet. nice too. <laughs> right. A little too much. Yeah, a little much there, <laughs> Michael, has, have you gotten your t-shirt yet? Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael, have you gotten the t-shirt yet? Yeah. So I'm going to go play Ballistic Overkill. Um, <laughs> well, now you're ridiculous. going down in Ballistic Overkill, Rocco. In about 15 minutes when we're done here, I'm going to put that card in. I'm going to do a quick video just showing the card out. And then we're going to get in Ballistic Overkill and I'm going to destroy you. That won't help you. <laughs> this is another 60 frames per Jeez. second. I'll frames frames per second. Frames per yeah, second don't translate into kills, dude. Yeah, Ryan, dude, that, that dude, just there's mean... this little thing called skill. <laughs> All that will happen, Ryan, is that the replays of Rocco killing you will just be better quality. Oh my god. <laughs>